The reading this morning is a two-part reading. Uh, We have from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and a little farther down from 36 through 43. If you care to follow along in your Bibles, Matthew 13, 24 to 30 is where we start. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But when everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered. Because while you are pulling up the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters. First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then, gather the wheat and bring them into my barn. Then he left the crowd and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the harvesters are the angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The son of man will send out his angels. And they will weed out his kingdom, everything that causes sin, and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. We've been doing a series of lessons. Jay has planned a series on the parables. And just to quick reminder that a parable... It's like an analogy or an illustration uh, to help people understand by using things that are, you know, familiar everyday images. Uh, you think about, for example, in the first century, especially the uh, agricultural images uh, of sowing and reaping and um, other things kind of rooted in their lives would help convey meaning. You know, many of us learned that a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, right? And you're kind of like, okay, well, that... But it's kind of understanding that uh, we need to use analogies uh, to communicate, to help us to understand things a little bit better. So uh, most of the parables kind of take the, the, the form of kind of helping us to understand what... The kingdom of heaven is like. And so far in the series, we've, you know, we've heard lessons about, for example, the sower and the soils. It kind of depends on who you're talking to. Biblically, it's referred to as the parable of the sower, but yet we realize that it's about the soils. And then last week, uh, Raleigh did a great lesson on the treasure hidden in the field and the pearl of great price. And so today, we want to talk about the parable of the wheat, and often known as the wheat and the tares. And, you know, I thought about, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but 
You know, how many of us here would be considered wheat? And how many would be tares or weeds? Uh, I did a lesson on this several years ago, and I'm, I'm using the background from that lesson uh, because it is... Uh, uh, a form of weed that we're familiar with. We we use a lot of things to try to get the dandelions out of our lawns. Uh, and there's some people in our neighborhood that have just given up. And so they do a wonderful crop of these pretty little yellow flowers that become these uh, things that just kind of almost explode into the air with spreading all of the seed. But Jesus told a story about a man who went out and sowed wheat in his field. And if you look carefully at the picture, you'll see that this is probably a picture done based on the parable of the sower. But there's no reason this couldn't apply. You know, Jesus says that the the analogy here is based on the idea that the the field is the world. The sower is, is the son of man, Jesus. And he has spread his word throughout the world. But that uh, we we have a, a game that's kind of going on around our house, where you know when when James, our four-year-old grandson, is over, and something happens, James will tell us that guy did it, and you know often it's you know like oh, who ate your dinner? They'll say, that guy. Well, in this case, that guy that we're talking about is not a good guy. It's an enemy of the landowner who's gone out and done all of the work of sowing his seed. And so part of understanding what's happening in this, in this story is that what did the enemy sow? You know, and so using an expression like weeds or tares doesn't really do justice to it, because as we look at this story, and look at the description of what we can understand about what he sowed into the the man's field, we realize that it's probably a very specific kind of a thing. It's called Darnell, and it's known as false wheat. As I was reading some articles about Darnell this week, one of the things I found interesting is I came across this expression to describe Darnell. Wheat's evil twin. You know, we, we kind of joke about that in a lot of things now, but we can understand that when something is like a, a twin, it's a, it's a duplicate, looks like it. But the thing about Darnell is that for most of the time, it looks like the wheat, but it's a noxious plant. Noxious means it makes you sick. So you want a loaf of bread made out of a mixture between wheat and darnel? You understand how nasty this really is that this man has done. So it looks like wheat until the head starts to appear. And that's when the difference is discernible. Uh, there's a little picture there of, of that's darnel. And in the early stages, it looks just like the wheat. And so you'd look at the field out there and you wouldn't really be able to know the difference by the way, in case you're wondering, modern uh, agricultural equipment, I found this interesting, because it, Darnell often grows in with the wheat, but the harvesting equipment now will separate it. 
So don't worry about your bread. Uh, so it's a story about evil, in part. I mean, what would motivate somebody to ruin a man's crop? It's only an evil intent because, all right, you think about it, okay, it's not just ruining his crop, it's wrecking his livelihood and his food source. That's not really a humane thing to do to somebody else. That's vicious. It's one of the most hurtful things you can have. And the trouble is that you can't recognize what it is until the plants have started to head. The head is that part of the, the stalk where the seed is starting to come. And there's actually a difference in color between wheat and darnel in terms of the actual grain that's being produced. But obviously the darnel is not an edible grain. And so you think about, you know, in the fall here on the prairies and you drive by the, the wheat fields and see all of the wheat. And imagine you looking out there and you see a different colored head among the wheat. Not just a head, but thousands of heads in that crop. And you realize how serious that would be. So the workers recognize a problem. But at this point, as the stalks have grown up and gotten taller and they have produced their heads, starting to produce their heads and recognizing the difference, you know, they want to go out and start pulling the wheat or pulling the weeds, pulling the, the darnel. And as I, you know, thought about that, I was thinking, well, you know, surely an experienced worker could carefully pull the Darnell. Yeah, if they've got about a month to do it. I remember as a kid, mom would send me out to go weed the garden and I'd go, weeds would be flying every which way. But it often meant what? When you're indiscriminately pulling out the weeds, you're pulling out the good stuff. And so the master wants to wait. Says, hold on. Don't do that. Let's wait until the harvest. And then first, we will separate and burn the darnel. And then we will gather the good wheat and bring it in. Um, and if you stop and think about this, this is kind of a surprising story, isn't it? Because, I don't know about you, well, let's think about it. If you were growing something in your garden and you discovered there was something in there that was poisonous, you'd say, I want that out of there right now. I don't want it using up the nutrients. I don't want it taking the space. That's just... So why would he do that? So secondly, it's a story about judgment. And I don't know about, you know, what concepts you have had during your life. But, you know, when I was young, I had a concept of judgment that was pretty harsh. And it saw God 
dealing severely. I mean, you know, we, we think about the, some of the stories in the Old Testament where God just zapped somebody with a bolt of lightning or opened up the earth, you know, all of the uh, movie, the Ten Commandments, you know, where the, the Moses throws the tablets down, the earth opens up and swallows all the people. That's another story, not the, not the one that the, the movie put it into, but we used to jokingly say when we thought somebody was, was telling a lie or doing something they shouldn't, as we'd put up our lightning rods to try to, you know, it's him, not me. And so we had a very severe concept of God. And immediacy, you know, I mean, uh, because we know that God abhors, that hates evil. He cannot fellowship with it, can't have any, you know, won't have any. It's just God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That's what John writes. There's not a shadow in God. And so the idea that God is allowing the weeds, the darnel, to grow among the wheat really seems quite surprising, doesn't it? But yet the parable says that God will ultimately deal with evil. Jesus says that at the final harvest, at the end, God will cause a separation between the good seed and the bad seed. That's powerful. And so the farmer tells his workers, we will wait until the harvest to bring that about. So, there's a concept that we see in Scripture sometimes, and I think it's really important, that God's justice is ultimate. That means it happens at the end, rather than immediate, which means happening right now. Where would we be if God punished us the moment we sinned? This would be an empty room. Why? Because the way it's put, all of sin falls short of the glory of God. If we got the punishment we deserve when we sin, immediately when we sin, we'd be gone. What does it tell you about God? That like this man in the parable that Jesus is talking about, God has sowed a crop of wheat into the world and is prepared to wait for that crop. So that means that this is a story about God's love. And sometimes we may not have thought enough about the parable to take us into that, but the point is that God will not risk harming the good wheat to separate the weeds.
That's powerful. God is willing to wait. He wants to protect and preserve the good. And sometimes the good may be weak, immature. You know, we talk about sometimes people needing just a a little bit of TLC, tender loving care. And in the process of yanking out the weeds, we might damage the good stuff. Sometimes people forget, as Jesus said, he came to seek and save the lost. You notice that he, dealing with the, the religious leaders who considered themselves the righteous ones and who were prepared to pass harsh judgments on everybody around them, Jesus didn't say, I came to seek the Pharisees. I didn't come to to seek the good guys. I came to seek and save that which was lost. And if you kind of spend some time thinking about that, especially in terms of your own life and your own self and the stages that you may have been through, and though it's not part of the parable, It really stands out to me as I read it that in life, sometimes tares become wheat. That the power of Jesus can change a person from being a child of the devil to becoming a child of God. And that's a wonderful, wonderful idea. Because... As I said, if God punished us when we sinned, we'd all be gone. But rather, we are here because of that kind of love and mercy. So, we've heard a lot the last few weeks. You know, I think almost every sermon is used John 3.16, right? Because it's one of our favorites. It's a beautiful passage. God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. But did you notice verse 17? For God sent his son into the world not to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save the tares, the weeds, the darnell. And so it's a story about compassion. Jesus doesn't give to the Darnell what it deserves. Yes, in the parable, ultimately, the landowner says, we will gather it, we will tie it together, we will burn it. But, for now, and I look, look at some of these passages, we read them, but think about them. 2 Peter 3.9, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. In 1 Peter 2.4, God wants all to be saved. 
That's the wheat and the darnel. But there's a little reference in Revelation 2 where John, Jesus, through John, is speaking to the church at Thyatira. And this is kind of a mind-boggling thing to me. Because I think she should fry. That's kind of harsh, but what Jesus says is that I even gave Jezebel. Jezebel is a woman in the church at Thyatira who represents herself as a prophet, who is teaching God's people to be immoral, to participate in idolatry, And yet Jesus says, I gave her the opportunity to repent. You know, from a human standpoint, we would often say, well, if she's messing up the church and doing that much evil, let's just boot her out. And Jesus has given her time and opportunity to come back around. In Ezekiel 33, there's a wonderful passage that kind of, you know, God is telling Ezekiel, I want you to speak to my people, and here's what I want you to say. Say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? God wants even the wicked to come to him and to find him and to be healed. And so it's a story of compassion. So the parable of the wheat and tares is about God's love and compassion. You know, it's not what we might expect in some ways because we... You know, I think if we, if we, as human beings, were writing the story, we'd be out there pulling the tares and burning them. But it's actually a story about God's concern for all people. What we might say, righteous and sinner, because, let's face it, the line of the righteous is pretty empty on our own. Because we've all sinned. But it's the compassion and love of God that is reaching out to us and telling us that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's why the harvest is at the very end to give opportunity. You know, that was the point that Peter was making when he talked about that God is not wishing that any should perish. You know, because he's been talking about the scoffers that are coming and saying, well, where's this promise of his coming? And Peter says, well, The delay is not because of God's slackness. It's because of his concern even for the worst of the lost. Because the worst weed is still invited to come into God's kingdom. It does not mean that God has compromised with sin or evil because he's being patient and waiting and giving time. But it is because 
He's being patient for us all. God is concerned about every one of us. And it doesn't matter what we have done. You know, one of the things often in talking with people over the years, you know, I've had people say, I'm too bad. I've done too much. There's no way God could forgive me. I mean, in a kind of a lighthearted way, I want to say something like, you want to bet? The reality is that the wheat and tares show us of a God who's willing to live with the tares in his field to give opportunity as the wheat also grows with them and becomes the, the productive crop that he wants. Uh, Tim's chosen a song for us to close with, and I kind of, always kind of like, uh, because it is a song of decision and determination. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's the resolve of, of the wheat to say, we want to walk with Jesus. We want to be his people. Um, and maybe you're here, you're not yet a Christian. We want to encourage you to do that. You can talk with, with me, with the elders, Jay. Um, maybe as a Christian, you need brothers and sisters to pray for you. Uh, that's always something, you know, people are sometimes more comfortable doing privately, but yet it's something we always need to have happen, isn't it? To pray for one another and to help each other to be the good wheat that Jesus created us to be. Let's stand as we sing.